What is up, Internets? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, Episode 8. This week we have on the show my friend B-Easy. He is a bouncer with twice as much experience as I have, who has bounced in two separate countries. And he goes over a couple of very interesting topics that I think should be addressed and aren't really talked about on most shows. Kind of the whole deal of this show, right? Number one is ADHD. We talk about that pretty deeply where it relates to security and fight profession, how in some places it's superpower and some places it's not. But ADHD is very common, it seems like, with bouncers and other people as you're here in the show. Number two, he talks about ways that he learned to de-escalate situations and run a room. And he mirrors a lot of the things that I say in my courses, but he says them in a much better way in a different way. And I think you need to hear information from different points of view across the board in order to really absorb it. But it just shows that if you're good at the job, you eventually go from a place of fighting to controlling a room so i hope you enjoy this episode don't forget as always there's extra content on patreon.com slash randy king live especially in this one because i had a third topic that i wanted to talk about which was the difference between bouncing in the u.s and bouncing in canada and we didn't have time to get to it in the free show but it does exist over on patreon with a couple of really interesting bouncing stories he tells so if you're interested in that jump over to the five dollar level usd and of course, that's how you support the show. I greatly appreciate everybody's watching and let's get to it. What is up, internets? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles. We have a great guest on the show, a friend of mine actually who I've actually met in person, which isn't always the case on this show. I was looking to get a bouncer on. I wanted to talk to somebody else because, of course, I was a bouncer for a long time, but I know all my stories and I know my experience. And I've been looking to get another security professional on. And my friend B-Easy agreed to be on the show. We have some really cool stuff to talk about. He wants to talk about ADHD and security. He wants to talk about how we bounced for 10 years and didn't get in a lot of fights, which I think is right on topic for our show, as well as I want to talk about the differences because Be Easy has done both bouncing in the United States and in Canada, and there's going to be some differences there, so some comparison talk. So Be Easy, number one, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. I just want to correct you real quick. I've been bouncing for 24 years, okay. but for 10 years, I haven't been in a fight. Probably more than that, a little bit, but. So 24 years is crazy. I only did it for 11 years, but that's quite the level. Like you, you have, you've journeyman me on this. So that's an important <laughs> amount to know. Be easy. Why don't you tell the listeners like that a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, man. I, I started bouncing. I used to live in Florida and I started bouncing. Honestly, man, like I was, I'm a Canadian citizen. I couldn't really work legally under the table. <laughs> kind of, kind of worked out for me. And yeah, man, I just, I did that for a bunch of years. I'm, I'm six, I'm six, four, 300 pounds. So that helped. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man, I just, it's something I love now, to be honest, man. Like, I've been doing security. I've, I've worked in the airport security. I've done night bars, you know what I'm saying, special events, special, uh, what do you call that, like, clientele done for a couple of NBA players. Oh, like VIP? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, man, yeah, man. I think it's something to be taken seriously. Yeah, I agree. So you've been in the game for a minute, 24 years. You've done pretty much all of it, airport, yeah. VIP, bar, et cetera, and I think that's awesome. Like that level of experience in the field is important. Also, what you said is it's an important field to be in because 
especially with the world going the way it's going, security is becoming top of mind for a lot of people's thought processes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we why don't we get kicking on this? I first met Be Easy when I was doing, I think it was the Half Gram Challenge podcast, and we got all yeah, super yeah. stoned, and I tried to teach, and I was all messed up. We were hitting that legal <laughs> in Canada cannabis. I don't U.S. cops don't at me, but we were hitting it, and I have I have a love for cannabis, but I have zero resiliency to cannabis. I just I got just beat up. And you are you're a big you are a big guy, and I think the visual deterrence part does make a difference. But we were discussing. ADHD and security. And so why don't you lead in with that? Yeah, man, you actually helped me learn something about myself that day we met because you asked me, have I ever, did I ever feel like my ADHD was helped me in the security field? And I went, nah. And I thought about it. Actually, oh yeah, it's, it's been a huge help, man. Just, I noticed now more, more than not, I noticed walking in a room and seeing that there's like an issue that I may have just kind of dealt with and got a group to calm down. But it, it stays in the back of my mind and every how I set myself like a timer and every so often I take a look back at that table to make sure they're good. And when that happens with, you know, five or six groups on, say, a Friday or Saturday night, and you've got this group over here wanting to fight this group and now that's two groups and you got three other groups that are blah, blah, blah. And it's, I'm keeping an eye on all these different things at the same time while still watching the door when people come in and uh, making sure my servers are good and that I feel like ADHD is just, it, it really, I feel like it, it definitely hinders us in a lot of ways, but if like doing security, it's definitely helped me a lot just to pay attention to all the things. that I agree. There's a discourse online where it's like ADHD is a hindrance and ADHD is a superpower. And I think it's totally situationally dependent, right? So I have right. it as well. And just the ability, like not to focus on one thing, not to zero in during that fight, not to have that uh, level of what is called neurotypical focus that people can do is actually a super big benefit in a chaotic environment, including security, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been in fights in a long time, years ago, yeah. and I've had people try to sneak up on me while I was fighting one person, and, and I think my ADHD helped me in that because sure. I was always kind of always paying attention to where everybody was how close they were to me and how long it would take them to get to me. I feel like, you ever seen that movie with the Denzel, The Equalizer? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like he had ADHD. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the thing, right? There was no label for this 20 years ago, right? It was just, oh, you seem to fit here. Like, ADHD in fighters, soldiers, police officers, like, people in, it's very high rates of it, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, so, I yeah. think it's super beneficial. Like, I remember one story. I was fighting a guy, and a guy hit me with a shovel from behind. And I caught Ooh. his shadow from a streetlight. And I, like, yeah. rolled out of the way and got hit. I'm like, that was so weird that I caught that. I'm not some ninja. <laughs> it was just, my brain was like, oh, what's this now? Oh, what's that over there? What's this? And yeah. Be kind of safe. And I think that, I think that the more you do stuff like that, the better you get at it. I remember when I was a kid watching, I want to say Dr. J, some basketball player, watching a, a video on them talking about they used to when they walked down the streets as a kid they would read the signs in the stores from their peripheral and that so that way that could help them for when they got older playing basketball yeah and i started doing it as a kid and i noticed that stuff a lot now i use that every day shadows reflections in people's cars or the windows like you use all that stuff in security and i have people all the time like how did you know how did you know i was there yeah, i just knew <laughs> exactly yeah. your brain's constantly tracking and i think this is like an interesting discussion because i my, everything you just said when my daughter was younger when i first started the business i couldn't afford a vehicle 
So we would take the LRT in Edmonton to places. And I before it was like a chaos zone like it is now when it was safe to take it. And we would do that. I'd be like, hey, Jasmine, how many people are in here? But don't turn your head. So she would use reflections and shadows, et cetera, right? Yeah, These yeah. are things that I just did because I was bored. When I grew up, we didn't have a phone to keep us entertained. You had yeah. to use the world to keep you stable. Yeah, man. It's crazy how things, different things are now, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even for me, like the phone has become like TikTok is a legit problem for me because the <laughs> dopamine I get from TikTok, like scrolling, like I yeah. just zone out. I get like ADHD burnout. I'm like, this never happened before. But when I was <laughs> 21, we didn't have smartphones. So I would be watching the bar to stay entertained. I would be doing that kind of stuff. So I do think, I say this to a lot of people because I work with all sorts of people. And one of the things I like to tell people, I'm not a psychologist, but is everybody's like, oh, my brain is broken. Your brain isn't broken. The world we live in isn't just isn't built for it. Right? Right. Like little boys, ADHD and boys was the most researched topic. Making a little boy sit down and be like, learn these numbers. You're like, I want to move. I want to move. I want to move. Yeah. You're just back, back. We were hunting shit. That was the best. They're going to come with you. They're going to learn. This the society we've created doesn't match the brain protocol, but that's where they're seeing success in security and martial arts and fighting, et cetera, right? Yeah, man. I, and I think that I think martial arts are a great tool if you use them properly. I don't mean learning to fight and all that. Like, I feel like learning to fight is one of those things you get the least of it. Yep. I think it's more the discipline. Like people, I, I, I did Taekwondo for a brief time when I was young. I didn't really get too much into it. But more importantly, I, I met a lot of people in, in and out of the security industry where they used their martial arts to remain calm in situations and yep. and they showed a lot of respect. Like I, I definitely saw a lot of respect from those guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, I think one of the most important things that you get from knowing how to fight, if you were taught correctly anyway, is knowing how not to fight. You know how to fight. Okay. I'm not scared in this situation. I'm not worried. I'm going to get beat up. So now I can force this situation into the way I want it to go, mm -hmm. which is nonviolently. And I think too, like knowing how to fight is also the essence of being able to stay calm. Because you see, whether it's law enforcement, bouncers, fighters, the ones that don't know what they're doing tend to overreact because they right. know if it goes physical, they can't handle it. So they yep. can't de-escalate. They can't because they're too scared of what's going to go physical. Yeah. And that's a big one. Like I've trained a lot of guys on their first day of security, 24 years. And yeah. like the first, one of the first questions I always ask is, have you ever been punched in the face? It go a lot different than you feel like it's going to go. <laughs> and I think that implore all of them to go to the ring, put on some gloves, yeah. spar with somebody, get hit in the face a couple of times, yeah. realize you know what it's not that bad. Now, what do I do after I've been punched in the face? And that's helped a lot of people. That's also turned a lot of people away. They're like, you know what? I don't ever want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think especially with like security, there should be a weeding process, right? Like not everybody's built to do it. Like you could be, I have a cousin, so I'm six foot one and I'm the run to the litter. All my male cousins are bigger than me. They're like six, four and up. Yeah. So I have a cousin who's six, six, just a giant dude. Cannot assert his position. Will not learn how to fight. To, he, like, <laughs> he, just, he had the visual deterrence part, but he actually couldn't do the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen that a lot, man. I, I had a friend at a previous place I worked at, and she brought her son in, who was 18 years old. Yeah. And, yeah, basically that, man. He was six, six one, I think. Yeah. But just a big, goofy bitch. <laughs> and scared to talk, scared to, like, approach people. 
I told him, you know, that he's got to cut somebody out. I said, okay, you're going to do this. You see me do it a few times. You're going to go up to this guy and just tell him, hey, you know what? You had enough for tonight. He's going to be a minute. Like 25 minutes gone by. Now the guy's looking for his next drink. And I'm like, hey, like, <laughs> it's now or never. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But yeah, like a lot of people think it's an easy, it's an easy job. People And a lot of people think it's just beating people up. And I'm like, man, don't get it twisted. When right. I, I first started, I was 17 years old. Yeah. I used to get ready for work every day. I'm going to fuck somebody up today. <laughs> I can't wait. But I'll tell you what, you write so many police reports. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you get so many people coming back after you. And you have so many times where you could have went home with a chick, but you had to stay and talk to police. Yes. Yes. Eventually it's like, you know what? There's got to be an easier way to do it. And I think this is the perfect segue to our next topic that we want to chat about. But I 100% agree. Like, I, I realized, I think I told you a story when we were when we first met. I got stabbed for $6.50 an hour. I'm like, what the fuck? This is bullshit, man. Why would I ever do this? So then learning how to de-escalate, learning how to become a more personable person changed it. And I think everybody starts the way you started. At least I did. So maybe not everybody, but at least the people on this podcast. When I first started, I was fighting everybody. I'm tough. Yeah. I'm on the I'm Dalton from Roadhouse or whatever. And then like 23, I'm like, this is exhausting. I'm writing police reports. Red tape is killing me. Now the women are going home with bartenders. That can't happen on my watch. I need to be picking these ladies up. For real, man. Like I said, that stuff happens to you enough and you kind of get yeah. that. You know what? Yeah, that's whack. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So let's go into what you're talking about. How, so you did it like a bunch of time. You did this for a long time. Yeah. And the first chunk you were picking, you were fighting, you were doing what you thought. And then for 10 years, zero encounters. What did you change? What was the mindset shift for you? Yeah. So there's actually a lot of things, man. Number one, man, I, like think first foremost, before I even get to the security part, I literally just changed my life. I stopped, I stopped doing drugs. That was major. Know. For the first 14 or whatever years, I was on drugs every single time that I was working. And the bullshit that came along with that, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, yeah, I sobered up and then there was, there's just a, a list of things that I do when I'm at the door. The, you know, the security is typically the first person that they're going to, like a customer is going to encounter when they come in. Yep. So I always, I do stand up comedy on the side. You mentioned that. Right. You of did. course. Yeah. Remote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always try and crack a joke with right. the people when they come in. That's like the first thing, get them smiling, get them in a good mood. Because essentially, I want them to have a good time while they're there. And I've seen too many times where, and I've been to blame for this too, where somebody walks in and they get shit as soon as they get there. Now yeah. they're in a bad mood and looking for a fucking problem to start. Yeah. That's the number one thing. It's just open communication. Crack a joke and ask them how their day was. Because asking them how your day was, it's not just, it's definitely partially telling me that, but it's also telling me, is this guy too drunk to be here? Get him to talk a little bit. Yeah. Something like that. It's uh, a multifaceted then, question, right? Because you're getting a litmus test on what their sobriety is. You're understanding if they're in a good or are they drinking to celebrate or are they drinking to forget? Exactly. <laughs> and there's things you got to pay attention to. And then also you're starting to get a feel, but you might be changing their mood. I run a program that we teach. I've taught in four countries, bouncers, big brag. And uh, the course is called Smiling Security for exactly what you just said. The yeah. first contact point is the security team. And I remember like very vividly walking into a fight and this guy was going to fight everybody. He hated everybody. He was just going through a breakup. And I walk up, I'm like, Hey, and he's, and he looked at me. He's like, Oh, not the smiley one. I'm like, yeah, man, sorry. You got to go. He's like, oh, you're fine. You're lucky. Right. Nobody punched this smiling security guy. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's real. I've had that a lot of times where, you know, mm. people are just like, oh, man, you were so nice to me earlier, bro. I'm just, I'm just going to go. That shit goes a long way. Yeah. Also, like, how important is it when you might be outnumbered? If you have friends in the bar, like you've made friends with people, regulars become your backup. Exactly. Exactly, man. Another thing is pay attention to the room. Like, that's the main thing. I think, I feel like that's something that you get better at as the years go by. But I can just look in a room and kind of see, oh, there's a problem area over here. Oh, six guys who look like they're on roids in the corner and they're all right. doing shots. Yeah. That might be an issue later. Sure. <laughs> yep. yep. And then, like I said, just the actual vibe, just like people's moods and who's happy and who's not and who's dancing and who's in the corner. Kind of pay attention to that always. Check those areas. I get ahead of things. That's a main one. Mm. When I find that the vibe is not good, yep. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna go over and not really be annoying, but just kind of hey, is everything all right over there? I can help you guys with anything? Maybe crack another joke. Like just kind of yeah, trying to, trying to get the juices flowing. I know exactly what you're saying. So what you're talking about is like my entire business model, which is proactive conflict management. So right. you're like, okay, this could potentially be a problem. So I'm gonna go deal with it instead of reacting when it does. I'm going to proactively settle it, feel it out, check it out, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, man, like for a good, a good dormant or just security, you got to pay attention to these things because yeah. you don't, what you don't want to do is wait until it's too late until these guys are already squaring up with each other. Now you got to step in between two guys wanting to fight exactly. and that might not go your way. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. And you never know, right? Cause you might walk in thinking you're going, when it's already going, you might walk in and be like, Hey, I'm going to grab this guy. They're like, that's my brother. Then the whole crowd turns on you. And you're like, I yeah. thought I was breaking up a fight and now everybody's <laughs> against me. What the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. And I'll be real. One of my, one of my favorite things to use that it works almost every time with the drunks anyway, it always works. Which is, man, all this pussy in here, you guys are trying to hug each other. You have <laughs> all these girls around here. And you know what? Like, I, I've kind of gotten help from some of the girls at my bar now. They're, the servers there are really amazing. And sometimes, uh, which goes into my next point, kind of using other people from either from the person's group or or just in general, right? Like if I can use, yeah, <laughs> if I can get one of the servers, hey, just go over there and be nice to that guy and get him to forget whatever he was angry about. Yeah. And that works a lot, right? I agree. Or even going within the group and telling, hey, uh, this guy's right. clearly a lesser member statusly in your group. Can you go calm your buddy down? Otherwise, you're all right. going to have to leave. Could be a way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. That was actually the main point was, yeah, getting people from that person's group to yes. help. Especially like when I'm doing, if I'm doing security by myself. Yeah. I'm the only guy on and we got five, six guys from one group seven eight guys from another group yeah man and honestly man a lot of times if the girls are sober i go straight to the girls right yeah if they're sober if they're sober yeah of course otherwise they'll escalate it you don't tell yeah. us what to do <laughs> exactly yeah you go to that one person in the group who kind of looks to be the calmest and looks like they would also have some pull yeah and say yeah just do me a favor just make sure your friend gets home safe tonight let's you know i'm gonna walk this guy out can you keep him inside or i'm gonna keep this guy inside can you walk this guy out that kind of stuff right because a lot of times somebody's angry. They don't want to hear from some stranger in a security right. shirt, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, they're, the, the girl they're trying to hook up with might be, <laughs> might yeah. have a better uh, better deal. 100%. And we'll talk a little bit about the guy-to-girl ratio and how that works out. But I just really want to hit this point. There's a book out called There I Was When Nothing Happened. 
And it's a book about forced professionals de-escalating. I was featured in the book. I'm chapter one. And oh, my nice. story, yeah, woo, my story is exactly, <laughs> is exactly your story. It's, I'm Man. not going to give it away. Go buy the book. It's by Jason Brick. I don't get any money for it, but go check it out to the listeners. But that was the story was there were some HA guys getting out of control. And instead of dealing with the prospects, I just went to the guy in charge. Hey man. And they got them yeah. out with zero, zero conflict management. And that's, was, yeah. sorry, zero violence. That's the thing that people forget. And you've already said it, but I really want the listeners to hear it is bouncing is not about fighting. Bouncing is about keeping the vibe of the room at one level, the owners want and ejecting people. You don't have to fight to make those things happen. Yeah, exactly, man. I I think that the uh, the number one thing should have been at the top of my list, but it, I'm, I'm saying it last, but it's definitely the most important. Be respectful because I've had so many so many situations. I did security at a mall once. Yeah. And their biggest issue at the mall was the teenagers, the teenagers from school, stuff like that, coming after school and smoking weed on the property and that kind of stuff. And I went up to these kids and they started to run for me. I said, hey guys, guys, come here, look. I said, I don't give a fuck what you do with your life. You want to smoke weed? I'm like, there's a park across the street. Nobody's going to bother you. At. You can go over there and smoke weed, come back over here when you're done. And I literally can't say shit to you. And my boss is happy. Yeah. And the kids were like, you know what? Thank you, man. Because these guys have been just trying to run us out and trying to scare us and trying to disrespect us for years. And yeah, that's cool with you, man. And you know what? Every time there was an issue afterwards, those kids all respected me. If I came out, okay, guys, he's here. We got to go. Let's leave. (laughs) Right. And just that works for adults too, or anybody. Like just the majority of drunks that I deal with at the bar, let's just put it right out there. They... Just want to be respected. Like, they don't want somebody to come, get the fuck, get up, yelling in their face. I just come up and say, look, man. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's enough for tonight. You know what I'm saying? We had a little right. too much fun. I think and you nailed it. I'm just going to keep pointing stuff out. You could easily teach the class that I teach because you're very, you're saying all the same stuff that I say. <laughs> Two things in there. Number one is you did the respecting, right? Hey, like, it's, it's, I don't want to get in your face. It's just my job. And then you did what we call an upper management close, which is my boss makes me do this. I'm yeah. just like you. But if I have this boss and everybody has a boss, they got to deal with. So you start to <laughs> manage the conflict and get on the same level exactly exactly I, a big one for that i think is like in alberta maybe in Canada. i don't know they're not you're not allowed to wear like gang colors in a right yeah it's in a cool. and i think that's a stupid rule interesting um, go on and i say i'm very vocal about that whenever i have to tell somebody hey i'm sorry you can't wear that in here i think the rule's stupid but like it is the law and i'm here to my boss hired me to make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen yeah and, I, you know, I don't really get the flack that I used to get when I just went, hey, you can't wear that. Right. I don't know. I don't. It, it, there's good and bad to it. You know what I'm saying? But, um, so you don't like the rule. And I have a, a guess why you don't like it. But why do you think the rule is done? Like, why do you not care if people are wearing gang colors in the space? I don't know. I just feel like you should be able to wear what you wear. Like, I, I get the downside. Then if there's, if it becomes that gang's hangout and, 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 sure. you know, and, and another gang comes in and right away it's a problem. Yeah. I think, like. The me on the street doesn't agree with it, but like right. me doing security definitely agrees. I, I get that. Like it's freedom of expression versus security, right. which is like a constant battle. I'm of the same thought process as you. There are more negatives and positives, but one of the positives of allowing them to wear what they want to wear is now as security, I know 
who those people are. Exactly. If I'm ejecting somebody and their blue is the color they're wearing, I can look around and see where their potential backup is immediately <laughs> because all the tigers are wearing their stripes. I can identify yep. that shit immediately. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Man. And like we said, like we established earlier, we both pay attention. <laughs> so that's something that we definitely would have seen beforehand. Yeah. When we when I teach threat assessment and situational awareness, I just tell people it's just pattern recognition, right? Okay, I walk into a bar at eight o'clock. The bar is all women, so probably no fights because there's enough women to men, nobody's fighting, right? They're all trying to get fucked. And yeah. but then if I like leave, do some shots, come back, and it's all dudes, I'm like, uh oh, right? That's a pattern yeah. change, right? Yeah. I remember yeah. there was this event here in Edmonton called the I wanna lay you luau, and the bear did it. The first year I went, I got to go, and it was like three to one women to men. The place was nuts. Everybody's in bikinis. It was awesome. Yeah. The second year, three to one dudes, because every dude heard all the women went there. So all guys, <laughs> the whole event up for everybody. Yeah. Dudes, D-Dog dudes get. So yeah, I think learning threat assessment is learning pattern recognition and then identifying those shifts which help keep you safe. And our brains with ADHD do that naturally. They're always yeah. searching for patterns. It's something I don't have to teach. It's something I can point out. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, man. I feel like with the ADHD brain, I don't even notice a lot of the times that I'm doing these things. Yeah. A lot of times I have to get pointed out to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did do that. And there's <laughs> a whole talk on how like being good at something is different than coaching something. Because being good, you don't have to pay attention. You can just be good at it. When you right, coach right. it, you have to break it down. How did I do this, right? It's why the most Canadian reference possible, Wayne Gretzky was a great player, but was crappy <laughs> as the coach for the Coyotes. Like, yeah, they're just yeah. different skill sets. Yeah. And what awesome. works All right, be easy. That's going to be the end of the free show. We're not done talking. We're going to jump over to Patreon. I still want to hear your story, and I still want to talk about U.S. versus Canadian bouncing. But we're at the time for the show and I've been doing lots of two-parters and people, I don't think they like two-parters. If you want more from Be Easy, which he's going to do a promotion train here in a second, but the rest of this conversation will be on my Patreon, patreon.com slash randykinglive at the $5 level. Be Easy, buddy. Why don't you promote whatever you want to promote? Your stand-up, et cetera, et cetera, Instagram, yada, yada. To be honest, man, I'm not doing much right now. My my Instagram is at BZBuds. Yep. But if I can promote anybody, I got. I want to. I got to give a shout out to my man Sterling Scott. Sterling. Yeah, yeah, follow him at Sterling's Jokes. He's hilarious. He does shows on the regular. He will be coming to your city. Yeah, man. I just got to shout him out because he's just the most genius comic I've ever met in my life, and he's doing big things. I agree. I was literally just talking to him before the show. I was checking in on him, seeing how he's doing. He's at a festival right now, I guess. But yeah. he has to be like get on to Sterling stuff now. Because he has to be at that breakwater point where he's just going to blow up soon. Like he's, exactly. he's so close to that precipice, just like becoming the next, not Kevin Hart style, but Kevin Hart level of fame. I really do think he's going to get there. Exactly, man. And it's going to be amazing. I agree. And I if you don't act like he don't know us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I told him, like, you better not freaking ditch my calls when you're super famous. If you guys want, Sterling Scott has been on this show before, not this show, but a couple others. So scroll back through the channel wherever you're listening to this. And of course, if you want to hire me for any of my services, randykinglive.com has all the information. We're going to jump over to Patreon right now. Thank you so much for listening to the free episode of Self-Defense from All Angles. Share this, like this, hit all of the buttons. Every button you can hit it. I don't even care if it's a dislike. The algorithm likes attention. So the more people that share this, the better the show is going to be. Be easy, thanks, buddy. And we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, you, brother.